Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hi, this is Alice. We are taking a brief summer break from recording new episodes, so we have pulled a couple from the archives that we think you'll like. We will be back with new episodes August 16th. See you then. Welcome to For Real, a bi-weekly non-fiction books podcast that puts the spotlight in books that tell it like it is, or at least try to. We'll cover new releases, backlist finds, and more. For Real is a Book Riot podcast and is hosted by me, Kim Ukara, and fellow rioter Alice Burton. Recording this week's episode on Tuesday, March 21st. Hello, Alice. How are you today? Um, I am swell. How are you doing? I am recovering from a cold, but oh. otherwise I'm doing pretty well, I would say. That's fantastic. It's finally feeling like spring outside, which is great. We were talking about that in my team meeting at work today. People were like, oh, I feel kind of like happy. Yeah. (laughs) Very odd. Yes. I was vacationing last weekend or the weekend before, I guess. And it was super warm and sunny where we went in Arizona. And then I came home and it was like 50 degrees. And then it was very nice last week. Uh, And I was like, yes, thank you. It's like 40 degrees and like sleeting today. But we're, we're on the upswing to to good weather, I think. Which is fantastic. Um, we have a fair amount of follow-up, I would say. I was, Yes, we do. We do have many things to follow up. You want to go first? Yes, I would. I would <laughs> like to talk more about the Lincoln books that I am reading. <laughs> so they're all on audio. I don't know why I've made this choice, but I have, and I'm leaning into it. So I read Team of Rivals on audio, which we will talk about later. And since then, so I did two of the kind of like Lincoln books that like a novelist, like a popular novelist mm-hmm. paired up with a historian. I think is I think Dan Abrams. No, Dan Abrams is like a newscaster. Anyway, I read The Lincoln Conspiracy, which was about the original plot to assassinate Lincoln before he became president, like before he was inaugurated. And then Lincoln's last trial, which is not great, and is basically a blow-by-blow account of Lincoln's maybe his last murder trial before becoming president. So it like really focuses on him as a lawyer. Mm-hmm. That part was interesting, but it really was like, I found the court transcript and we're just going to go through it. <laughs> so I was like, I don't need that. And then right now I'm doing The Zealot and the Emancipator by H.W. Brands, which is about both Lincoln and John Brown, which is an interesting pairing. I don't think it's like a shocking one for mm. the time, but it's just – and then yesterday my wife gave me a Lincoln Funko Pop <laughs> and – he sit like sits on my desk and is my my little moral center <laughs> for my desk. I just like I don't know why this is happening, but I'm delighted by it. I just am currently very much in a Lincoln thing. That is uh, super interesting. I am very into um, fraudsters and scoundrels right now. So <laughs> the two books I read on vacation were uh, The Rose Code by Kate Quinn, which is fiction about uh, female code breakers during World War II, but like the big. Um, plot machinations of the book is that one of them is betrayed by someone who turns out to be a spy. 
So that, and then I read Scoundrel by Sarah Weinman, which is new nonfiction about a guy named Edgar Smith who was convicted of murder and then convinced a bunch of people, including William F. Buckley, that he was actually innocent. And there was a whole like celebrity campaign to get him released from jail. And then spoiler alert, he was, and this is not a spoiler, this is in the synopsis, he was. And then shortly after he tried to murder someone else because he was a sociopath. That was fascinating also. Oh, I was going to ask if that was, because I really liked uh, Weinman's first book. The Real Lolita. The Real Lolita. Yeah, that was great. So, but this seems like, I I could see like some commonalities with the two, but like Mm -hmm. just a very different sort of case. Yeah, it it was really good. Um, I love that she, she, it's a a really well told story. She pulls in a ton of really interesting details. There's a lot of just stuff where you're like, wow, is that actually true? And it is because it's so strange. But she never, never loses sight of the victims. So like both the young girl he killed and then the women he manipulated and uh, the woman he attacks later, like she never loses sight of those people and their stories. And that like, they're actually the reason why this matters, which I really appreciate because it can be easy to sort of like, ignore that part of it to yeah. like tell a good true crime story. So I thought that was really effective and well done. And then continuing on the fraud theme, I'm also <laughs> watching three fraud TV shows right now. Wow. Uh, we talked about The Dropout, which is the Elizabeth Holmes Hulu show based on uh, Jen- John Carrero's Bad Blood. My boyfriend and I started watching We Crashed, which is the one about uh, WeWork and Adam Newman and his very strange wife. And then Netflix is Inventing Anna, which I think maybe we've talked about, which is about Anna Delvey, Anna Sorkin, who was a New York Society fraudster. We I've been watching that one just by myself. <laughs> We um okay so I watched 3 episodes of that and then I was like, "Oh, maybe I should pick up the book my friend Anna." But then I was in the Twin Cities this last weekend, did not get to see Kim unfortunately. But um I was talking to someone there and they were like, "Oh yeah, no, my friend Anna is by the like really bad friend." Mm-hmm. <laughs> in the in the show. And I mean, we're not saying of course that inventing Anna is like absolutely a correct portrayal of people, <laughs> but this same friend was like, oh, yeah, I watched a documentary about it was like an hour long documentary on HBO or something um, about the case. And her I guess like her testimony at trial was the only one where the judge was like, yeah, no, you weren't like this. You weren't hurt, like hurt by like her actions. <laughs> like this was just your oh. own bad judgment. Yeah. Fascinating. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, I have not personally seen it, so I can't. But like I, I trust that friend. That's interesting. Yeah. So I, yeah, Inventing Anna is based on a magazine article, which is kind of the first thing that exposed her. And then My Friend Anna by, uh, I think, Rachel Deloche Williams. That could be wrong. I hope it's not. She was one of the young women who Anna Sorkin defrauded and like stole money from. But I haven't watched the documentary. So that's interesting. Now I'm going to have to watch that too once I finished the the fictional show but yeah it's it's interesting like all the fraud stuff that's happening right now and how interested we are in people scamming other people well we've kind of talked about in the past how con artists are kind of it's almost like a fun true crime if Mm -hmm. they are conning like just the wealthy which is what anna delvey sororkin was doing Mm -hmm. (laughs) so people are just like oh wow this is like just like bananas because she's like taking all this money from these people who then also by the way like seem to mostly just get it back because they're well connected yeah there's in one of the episodes of the show and i don't again the show is sort of fictionalized i don't know how true it is but like 
one of the questions the reporter Vivian asks is sort of like, do you feel bad that you tricked this like wealthy lawyer guy basically into like doing things for you? And she's just, and Anna responds with like, no, he is fine. And then you see like what happens to this lawyer and like he's embarrassed and whatever. He lost his company some money, but he got promoted. And then like the biggest consequence of his action is that he like lost his squash court. So he doesn't get to play on squash court one anymore. He has to play on squash court 12 and it's very embarrassing for him. And you're like, yeah, okay, man, everything's fine. You're good. Oh, my gosh. But, yeah, I wonder why uh, there's so much talk about, like, fraud and, like, fictionalization of these, like, true, you know, fraud yeah. cases. Yeah. Um, I also think it's funny that you're into that and I'm into Lincoln right now. Um, they're kind of <laughs> opposite situation. I think for me, I feel like it's so stressful, like, everything bad happening. And he mm-hmm. tries so hard to make the right decision. Yeah. And it's just satisfying to, like, see that there is someone in power, even if it was in the 1860s. <laughs> It yeah. was, like, genuinely trying. Yeah, and I think probably, like, at least part of these that I like is I think ultimately they all sort of get their comeuppance, like, they are stopped. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and so it's kind of satisfying to see, like, ha ha, you, this will affect you, even <laughs> though you are terrible. We'll, we'll see, though. I don't I don't know how long this is going to, like, hold out. It's just a lot of TV all at the same time, but but we'll see. Before we continue on with the episode, I want to do just do one uh, quick correction. I think I got a name wrong in the last edition of the podcast. The author of Fairest, which is a memoir we talked about, is Meredith Telusan. Uh, so I just wanted to correct that because I think I misspoke her last name. So that's that. Today's episode is brought to you by Greenleaf Book Group. No summer vacation should be without a great read. And I don't know about you, but I am partial to mysteries and thrillers for my hot month reads. It's hot girl reading summer always over here. And from the award-winning librettist of Legally Blonde, the musical and the screenwriter of Freaky Friday, Heather Hawk, comes the page-turning psychological thriller, The Trouble with Drowning. So when author Eden Hart floats into Tucson's Antigone books and all her dazzling perfection to give a reading, Kat, a struggling writer, can't help but compare herself. Thankfully, Kat's life starts to take on its own Eden-like glow when her literary future takes shape and she falls madly in love with Jacob. As demons from her past begin to surface, Kat's mental health craters and this halcyon dream slips through her fingers. For the fastest paced slow burn you won't be able to put down, be sure to check out The Trouble with Drowning by Heather Hawk on Amazon or your retailer of choice. And thanks again to Greenleaf Book Group for sponsoring this episode. Today's episode is brought to you by Harper Muse, publisher of Troubled Waters. Troubled Waters is an intimate portrait of two generations, a granddaughter and a grandmother, coming to terms with what it means to be family, Black women, and alive in a world on fire. In heartfelt lyrical prose, Mary Inez Hegler weaves an unforgettable story of the climate crisis, Black resistance, and the enduring power of family. Narrated by Janice Abbott-Pratt and written by climate justice writer Mary Anise Hegler, the Troubled Waters audiobook is available everywhere May 7th. It follows Corinne as she plans to stage a dramatic act of resistance and peels back the scabs of her family wounds and puts her safety in jeopardy. 
Both grandmother and granddaughter must bring their unspoken secrets into light to find a path to healing. Known for her essays that dissect and interrogate the climate crisis, drawing heavily on her personal experience as a black woman with deep roots in the South, Mary Anais Hegler brings us her first work of fiction titled Troubled Waters. Make sure to pick it up. Thanks again to Harper Muse, publisher of Troubled Waters, for sponsoring this episode. Uh, all right. So with that, we will jump into um, nonfiction in the news. So these are news stories about in the world of nonfiction that we uh, think you will find interesting. So Alice, you have our first news story this week. Yeah. So the National Book Critics Circle Award winners were announced, which is soups exciting, if you will. The nonfiction uh, award winner is How the Word is Passed by Clint Smith. The subtitle of this is A Reckoning with the History of Slavery Across America. It came out in June 2021. The biography pick is All the Frequent Troubles of Our Days, the True Story of the American Woman at the Heart of the German Resistance to Hitler by Rebecca Donner. And the autobiography is Gay Bar, Why We Went Out by Jeremy Atherton Lynn. Fantastic. And then the last nonfiction pick is in the criticism category is Girlhood by Melissa Fabos, which I think I heard about the most of these last year. Yeah, I think most of those were uh, familiar titles. This this, um, award is interesting because it's awarded by book critics. They're not, you're saying they're not going to pick like super unheard of books. Yeah, I think so. Are there, and they're going to pick stuff that like has a critical conversation around it. So like the Clint Smith book, I remember there's just a lot of conversation about it. I think Girlhood too. It felt like there was a lot of different people kind of commenting on that and responding to it. So yeah. it makes sense to me that those are ones that are, you know, familiar. Yeah, so that's kind of interesting. It'll be a lot more book awards soon, but that's a good one to, to share. Um, our second news article is one that I'm really excited about. The link we'll share is from The Wrap, and it is about um, how Brene Brown has a, an HBO Max special coming up uh, around her book, uh, Atlas of the Heart, which is her newest book. So the five-episode unscripted series begins streaming on March 31st, so in just a couple of days from when you're listening to this. The purpose of it is to figure out how to cultivate meaningful connections with ourselves and each other. And so the trailer that dropped shows like a studio audience and she's talking about her book and kind of sharing about that. So she's going to take viewers on an interactive journey through the range of emotions and experiences that define what it means to be human. So it is grounded in her decades of research and will be all about that. So I watched the trailer and it looks like something that could make me cry, potentially. Oh, I don't know. It's just very like warm and you know, feel your feelings and like, you're a good person and stuff like that always makes me emotional. So we'll see. That's really nice. Yeah. So Atlas of the Heart will be soon. So maybe I'll watch that instead of all the fraud uh, TV shows for a while. (laughs) All right. uh, So with that, we will jump into uh, this week's new nonfiction, which is books coming out now or soon that we are excited about. And I'm really jazzed to talk about this first book because it was set to come out last fall and then it got delayed a few different times and is finally out now. And so I'm really, it's, it's really good. So the book is called Letter to a Stranger, Essays to the Ones Who Haunt Us, which uh, is edited by Colleen Kinder, came out March 22nd from Algonquin. So Colleen Kinder is the editor of this magazine called Off Assignment, and it's kind of a travel magazine. Um, and one of the regular columns that they have had in the magazine for years and years and years is called Letter to a Stranger. And so they invite authors to write a letter to someone who 
who they don't know, but who had a, an, an interaction or a meaningful connection to them at some point. And so the letter to a stranger, the collection is just a bunch of those letters all put together and organized into different sections. And so they're letters written from experiences people have had all over the world. So there's just a huge range in there. And then they, um, they just, they cover a bunch of different topics. So there's ones about symmetry. So people meeting people who are kind of like them in some way, but like also somehow different. Um, there's ones about mysteries. There's some about chemistry, some about gratitude. And so they're all written as letters directed to these strangers that they met. And so there are, um, contributors like Lauren Groff, um, Leslie Jameson, Elizabeth Colbert, all sorts of different people. Um, and so it's just, they're so fascinating because like we've all had experiences where like a stranger like really strikes us in some way. And so just to have those written down and like getting to hear people talk about their travel experiences and just these like chance and off encounters. I have just found it really fascinating. Um, they're all nice and short, so you can like pick it up and sort of read a couple and then put it down and come back to it. And they're all, I like the way that the themes are kind of building on each other and, but the way that they're all completely different and just new and kind of cool. So this one is really neat and I'm excited about it. Uh, Letter to a Stranger, Essays to the Ones Who Haunt Us by Colleen Kinder. Oh, that is so neat. And, like, that is also a really good collection of authors. Mm-hmm. Having, like, Elizabeth Colbert and Lauren Groff is, like, I, I, know. Would, I would never combine them. <laughs> I know. It's, it's yeah, it's super, just a lot of different people and just a lot of different perspectives. And then lots of people that, like, you know, you've never really heard of before, but they're all travel writers or writers to a degree. So, like, the writing is really excellent, too. Um, That is fantastic. My first new pick for this week is Dress Code, Unlocking Fashion from the New Look to Millennial Pink by Veronique Highland. Veronique has a very French first name, so I really hope her last name is not pronounced Eland or something, but it's H-Y-L-A-N-D. Anyway, so I am not a fashion person. That is not why this book called to me. Veronique Island is the L Fashion Features Director, and this is a series of essays about fashion. The reason that I am interested in this is that I, after almost two years of living in sweatpants and various forms of joggers... I have started to, you know, we've started like maybe going out in the world and seeing people again. And I'm like, oh, gosh, how am I presenting myself? I don't know what I'm wearing. Like, it's been stressing me out a lot. Like, what will I wear? And I think I've just been more and more conscious of how people are presenting themselves in what they're wearing. So uh, when I saw this, I was like, oh, oh, (laughs) yes, that is what I've been thinking about recently. (laughs) So... In this, she in these essays uh, again. There's about fifteen. She looks at things like uh, why has the French girl persisted as our most undying archetype? What does dressing for yourself really mean for a woman? Which is kind of like the key thing I'm interested in right now. Again, how should a female politician dress? Which like, mm. I mean, I that's probably been like just maybe over covered in terms of articles when women are running for office right it's like oh there's this double standard and like it shouldn't matter what they're wearing but it still does and so you know like how does this uh show itself and then will gender differentiated fashion go forever out of style which would be so cool (laughs) so just like covering a lot of 
different topics in the way that fashion presents itself in our lives and just like what we are wearing and what other people are wearing and how this makes us feel and think and just again I personally am not like oh I'm gonna follow all of these fashion trends or even be aware of any of them but it still is like this thing that is very influential every day of our lives just in either how we feel about ourselves or how we think about others etc so it is a I would say an, an evergreen timely book uh, is Dress Code, Unlocking Fashion from the New Look to Millennial Pink by Veronique Highland. Yeah, talking about like going back out into the world and like, how am I supposed to dress? And like, what do I do? I had to start going into the office more regularly, like back in the fall. And it was a very hard transition of like, what do I even do here? Yeah. I mean, do you know how many pairs of joggers I own now? Because it's so many. Yeah, right. A lot of sweatpants and then like very few real pants that fit. But then like even just like one year of staying home, like clothes are not in style anymore. Mm. And like, I don't care that much about it. But like then I don't. Yeah, just great pick. I can't do the short waisted puffy sleeve thing. I'm so short already. I I don't feel like it works. No, it's terrible. (laughs) Just just a lot to figure out. So great pick. I I sympathize with your uh, reason for choosing it. <laughs> All right. Uh, my, my next pick is a pivot. Uh, it's called You Sound Like a White Girl, The Case for Rejecting Assimilation by Julissa Arce, uh, which came out March 22nd from Flatiron Books. So this is a, quote, polemic against the myth that assimilation leads to happiness and belonging for immigrants in America. Julissa Arce is a political commentator and an author. Her previous book uh, was called My Underground American Dream, My True Story as an Undocumented Immigrant Who Became a Wall Street Executive. And so she um, was an undocumented immigrant as a child. She eventually gets her green card and is able to become an American citizen. But this book is really about like why assimilation is not a path for immigrants and it's not even like a thing that people should be aspiring to. Um, And it's really a pushback against that, uh, which I think is really interesting. So she, the title comes from like, you sound like a white girl is a thing that she was told by a person in high school. And at the time she thought like, oh yes, okay, cool. Like that's a compliment. But then as she had grow up and like learned more and sort of saw what is going on, she realized that that was actually not like the idea of sounding like a white girl is a racist thing that was meant to make her sort of be less of herself and not be the person that she wanted to be. And so she writes about like kind of trying to assimilate, trying to become white, trying to aspire to all of that at each stage of her life and her career, and then just like never being able to do it. And so by trying to assimilate what she lost and how like she was never even going to get to be that way anyway. And so um, the book is kind of part memoir and then part manifesto just about like why assimilation is um, what she calls like a, a moving target designed to keep black and brown Americans and immigrants chasing the American ideal that is fundamentally like not open to them anyway. Uh, and so she explores different lies around assimilation, lies about success, about legality, about whiteness and English, that if you get those things, then you will not be an outsider anymore, but how that's just really not true. And so she eventually argues that belonging comes through celebrating yourself, being yourself, celebrating your culture and the things that make you unique and that we don't all have to be assimilated and the same in order to be our sort of best and most powerful selves. 
this one is so interesting, too. It reminds me a lot of um, Black American Refugee by Tiffany Drayton, which I talked about earlier. Like, it has similar, I think, um, threads about the promises that America makes to people and the asks that it makes, particularly to Black and brown people, that then it doesn't follow through on uh, and how those affect people's ability to live happy and productive lives, happy and, and safe and calm, just how it affects people in all, all aspects of their lives. And so I think that's really interesting. And I, she just has a really very um, unique perspective and just a lot to think about in sort of how we all fit into like ideas around America and what it is to be American. Uh, so that is You Sound Like a White Girl, The Case for Rejecting Assimilation by Julissa Arce. That sounds really good and interesting. And I like the book pairing that you put with it. Just kind of, you know, like, oh, this has like very similar themes to this mm-hmm. other thing. Uh, if In case people are just like, I would like to read about rejecting assimilation and like living into who you are. My goodness. I feel kind of bad about my pick because we, t- <laughs> we talked earlier when you were talking about the new Sarah Weinman book. Uh, and you were talking about its focus on the victims. And I'm like, oh, this is not about them. <laughs> But I would like to talk about Hell's Half Acre, the untold story of the Benders, America's first serial killer family by, okay, here's the deal. I looked really hard for a video on how to pronounce Susan Jonas's last name, and I am not confident in it. This is the new book section where I am finally not confident about anyone's <laughs> name pronunciation. That's never happened before. I know. It's J-O-N-U-S-A-S. So I'm going to say Jonas's. Jonas. Jonas's. Anyway, she's she's really put a lot of research into this book. So, in 1873, in Labette County, Kansas, the people of that county found uh, a lot of buried bodies in an orchard at the home formerly occupied by the Bender family, which uh, they had vanished in the night. This was after, so basically, the Benders operated a sort of like a roadside hotel slash place, but it was like, you know, like a little hut, like a little, just a little house. And they basically kept uh, attacking travelers who would stay with them. And they made sure that they, like, didn't have family. And then they would steal from them and then bury them in the backyard, essentially. So they finally got found out because they killed someone whose uh, family came looking for him. So I think it was his brother. But I've watched a number of documentaries about it. So it's not the untold story, like it says. Like, it's definitely been told. But... I am very interested in, like, new books about them because people always, throughout the decades, change the way that they tell history. And the Benders are are extremely interesting because they were never caught, right? They did just sort of disappear after they were sort of suspected of finally, like, people like, oh, where did all those people go? And this was, like, a... Pa Bender and Kate Bender, who people were like some gentlemen were very interested in. But then there was some suspicion that maybe none of the Benders were actually related and they were just like a traveling murderous group. It's it's just a weird story in 1870s Kansas, which at the time was also not that developed of an area i would Mm. say so it's just it's like a weird part of american history but so if you're interested in true crime particularly in the the more murderous aspect of true crime and involving people who everyone involved in the story has passed right you're not gonna like still have people who are having negative effects from Mm -hmm. this story being told it is hell's half acre the untold story of the benders america's first serial killer family that one sounds very interesting 
the first serial killer family? Like, who knew there was, like, a first... I mean, there must have been a first one, but... There were probably ones before it. But, like, in terms of... <laughs> in terms of America, yeah. that might be the... It's the earliest recorded, I think. Fascinating. Yeah. Sounds super interesting. All right. Uh, so we have a couple of quick mentions to add to this week. So the first one I wanted to mention was All the White Friends I Couldn't Keep, Hope and Hard Pills to Swallow about Fighting for Black Lives by Andre Henry, which is about uh, Andre Henry is, quote, a leading voice for social justice. And the book is about how he stopped arguing with white people who deny the ongoing legacy of racism. And he offers a proven path forward for black people and people of color based on the history of nonviolent struggle. So this one sounds... Real fascinating. Oh, and I <laughs> would like to talk about Burning My Roti, bearing, Breaking Barriers as a Queer Indian Woman by Sharon Dhaliwal. Um, this is based on the magazine Burnt Roti, uh, also founded by Sharon Dhaliwal. And this memoir is is kind of a um, guide for South Asian women and just sort of focusing on issues that are particularly relevant to them, but also for women so but i mean it is very focused on south asian women and i i feel like when i saw the subtitle you know breaking barriers as a queer indian woman i was like i do not see a lot of books Mm -hmm. by that let's say demographic so uh i was really excited to see this title but again burning my roti breaking barriers as a queer indian woman by sharon dalywell excellent that one sounds really good too Today's episode is brought to you by Flatiron Books, publisher of 888 Love and the Divine Burden of Numbers by Abraham Chang. So this is an interesting love story. It's great for fans of Tomorrow and Tomorrow and Tomorrow and High Fidelity. It's set in the mid-90s at NYU. And it follows young Wang, who has gotten the advice of love through Chinese numerology from his uncle. So he believes that he will have seven great loves in his life. And then he meets Irena in 95. And she's like the best. She's brilliant, charismatic, quick-witted, funny. They fall in love. But the thing is, she's number six. So if he is to have seven great loves, does that mean his time with Irena is going to come to an end? So this is a love letter to Western pop culture, Eastern traditions, and being a first-generation New Yorker. Make sure to check it out. And thanks again to Flatiron Books, publisher of 888 Love and the Divine Burden of Numbers by Abraham Chang for sponsoring this episode. Today's episode is brought to you by Song of the Silks Realms by Judy Eilin. Shi Wei is a talented young musician who was orphaned at a young age. Her sole family is a kindly uncle, but then her uncle is killed, and she is, of course, devastated. With no family and no patron, Shi Wei is facing the possibility of a lifetime of servitude playing the chin. Then one night, she is unexpectedly called to perform for the enigmatic Duke Meng. He surprises Shi Wei further with an irresistible offer. Serve as a musician in residence at his manor for one year, and he'll set her free of her indenture. But the Duke's motives become increased more sus when he and Shuei barely survive an attack by a nightmarish monster. It's like, what, <laughs> what's going on here? So this book is a sweeping epic romanticy that follows a talented young musician who is swept away to the celestial realm by an enigmatic young duke. And who doesn't want to be swept away to the celestial realm by an enigmatic young duke? She's living all our dreams, honestly. Make sure to check out the new book. And thanks again to Song of the Six Realms by Judy Eilin for sponsoring this episode. 
All right, so um, we're, our theme this episode is not super timely, I guess, other than like maybe it's always timely. I don't know. Uh, we're talking about reads for self-care, which predictably, like when we picked this topic, I was like, oh, yes, that will be no problem. It will be easy to decide on books for that. And then when I sat down and I tried to actually pick books, I went down an incredible rabbit hole trying to be like, well, what does books for self-care mean? Because first <laughs> I was thinking about self-help books. And then I was like, those aren't really about (laughs) self-care. Like self-improvement is not always or really self-care. Like, I don't know. And then um, I was listening to a podcast and the the person on it said, self-care, she defines it as things that make you feel like yourself or things that help you feel like yourself. And that was an interesting one to me. I don't know. Like when you think self-care, what do you think about Alice? I guess I think of just sort of I immediately think relaxation, which I don't know that that's always, but I tend to have like a lot of projects going on all the time. And so like Mm -hmm. having like space to just kind of sit, Mm -hmm. I'm always just like, oh, nice. And kind of just like absorb the things that I am interested in, which is definitely the direction that I took with this particular prompt. Yeah, I think that's part of where I landed too, is like reading as self-care for me is when you can get super absorbed in something and really like ignore the rest of everything that like that's what reading does is it helps my brain like stop hamster wheeling and just sort of like focus in on one thing and so reading for self-care is really about being absorbed in it in some ways so my first pick is one that's actually inspired by you alice um i read it very recently uh it's called world of wonders in praise of fireflies whale sharks and other astonishments by amy zucamatato Uh, which this book came out in 2020 and I picked it up because it's a nature book and you always talk about nature books and how much you like reading about nature and animals and also reading about like people who care deeply about particular things and that's a lot of what this book is and so I just recently finished reading it and it is so good. It is a collection of essays about the natural world and the way that animals and plants and things in nature can teach and inspire us. So as a child, the author grew up in a bunch of different places for various reasons. Her family moved a lot and she traveled a lot. And so um, she spent part of her childhood on living on a Kansas mental institution. Her mother was a doctor there. And so they lived on a house, like on the estate of the institution. She lived in Arizona. She um, lived in New York and Ohio, but she is a person who always really loved nature. And so found a lot and learned a lot in nature in those different places. Uh, she's also now as an adult, a poet and a teacher. And so she brings a lot of that perspective to these different, um, essays. And so each one is about like an animal or a plant, um, or an area of the world. And it's a like personal essay and also like some history and background and biology of that animal. And, um, they, it, it, they are just, I, I cannot even tell you how good these essays are. They are just stunning. Like I laughed out loud at many of them. I cried cried tears during one about an octopus oh yeah I was not expecting that I was just like reading it and then it got to this one about the octopus and I got to the end and I was just just tears streaming down my face because it was so lovely oh so the octopus is okay no oh no (laughs) no okay lovely and sad lovely and sad (laughs) 
but also just like really funny. And there's all these beautiful illustrations of the different animals and plants. So there's one of an axolotl, which is this like little like salamander lizard thing that has this big smile that it's just it's so cute. But the like essay about it is really interesting about like how they go about the world and like live their lives and stuff. Um, it is just, it is just like chef's kiss. It is so, so great. And so like, if you just need to sort of something nice and soothing, but also like emotional and absorbing and to like feel a lot of feelings because I had a lot of feelings while I was reading it. Um, I recommend this one. So world of wonders and praise of fireflies, whale sharks, and other astonishments by Amy Nizuka Matato. Oh, that's so good. <laughs> she starts off that book talking about a catalpa tree which mm-hmm. that she used to, I think, either sit under or read under or both. And um, we have catalpa trees out front of our home, and I, like, love them. They're so, like, they're just great trees. So when she started describing, I, but I didn't know that they were catalpa trees uh, out front of my place. But when she started describing them, I was like, wait a minute. <laughs> I, like, <laughs> looked up the, like, characteristics of our tree, and I was like, that is a so yeah she does such a great job yeah. of just like being descriptive and uh making you appreciate things i have not finished it clearly because i didn't know about the octopus oh my gosh it is i was reading it and i i was like oh octopus that's so sweet and then it, it like takes a turn and i was just crying <laughs> like oh my god this octopus my brother did an illustration for this american life and he it was about like a whale that's lost and i was like wait is this about the loneliest whale that oh, in that book yeah. that kim read mm-hmm. and i still don't know but i told him i was like how can you illustrate this about <laughs> this sad whale because he have to have, he kept having me look at like versions of the mm-hmm. illustration to be like how's this can you tell what this is and i was just like no it's so sad every time <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh okay yeah so when when i'm emotionally ready i will pick up world of wonders my first pick is calypso by david sedaris i was very resistant to david sedaris for a very long time because everyone loved him and (laughs) you know it's that annoying like whatever like i don't want to do it because you all are saying i will like love it but calypso is my favorite book of his so far uh it's at, before you know his he has a new one coming out but it's his most recent set of essays that are not just like, compilations from previous works and it's about he buys a a beach house on the east coast and it's for his family his dad and his siblings and he thinks it's going to be like great and then it you know it it is kind of is like he very much appreciates his family and i really appreciate that about david sedaris like it's very much like we're all very strange and we get each other Mm -hmm. he also talks about the phenomenon of how you can go as you get older or like move through life you your relationship with your siblings changes like sometimes you're closer to others and like it's just like i very much felt that like i have been very close with i have three brothers and very close with different ones of them through different periods so like i think that he talks about the difficulty of like you know, having these conversations with his very, like, kind of conservative father, but, like, still, like, having this relationship with him. And there is – I don't remember if he, one of his sisters dies by suicide or if it's an accident, but that is in the book, so be aware. Um, and he talks about how everyone – how it was kind of – he had a very – he had times where, again, he was very close with her, and then she – pretty much like distanced herself from most of the family and um he also talks about his extreme closeness with his sister amy sedaris and how they will go on like shopping sprees in japan (laughs) and just by really 
uh, unusual clothing, which then, again, my oldest brother, the one who did this illustration, he um, was, like, texting me photos from the store that, like, David Sedaris mentions of, like, this clothing. And he was like, should I start buying this stuff? <laughs> anyway, it's like, so for me, this book is self-care because it's just, it, it reminds me kind of of my family. And I think he does such a good job of being vulnerable, but also funny and just really communicating the love he has for his family, which is really lovely. So again, that is Calypso by David Sedaris. That's an excellent pick. Yeah, I find his essays really absorbing and funny. And uh, But I haven't read one in a while because I, I don't know why, but I, I should pick this one up. It sounds, sounds like a good one. Mm-hmm. All right. So my second pick does veer into like self-help territory a little bit, but I feel like I can make a case for it. Uh, so it's called The Lazy Genius Way by Kendra Adachi. She's actually the person I referenced when I talked about self-care is the thing that makes you feel like yourself. Um, she is uh, has a... a a group called the Lazy Genius Collective. She has a podcast, a newsletter, all these different things. And her book is basically about the the like motto of the whole thing is be to be a genius about the things that matter and lazy about the things that don't. And so in the book and in her podcast and all of her stuff, she lays out these principles about how you can figure out what are the things that you yourself want to be lazy about and what are the things that you care about and want to be a genius about. And so like one of the core pieces of the whole set of principles and everything is to name what matters. Like that's the the first thing that you always have to do. And I have found that exercise of naming what matters and then making decisions based on when you've like articulated, like, this is what matters to me in this moment, or this is what matters to me about this thing. Um, it makes making decisions about what you should do really much easier. And then you can decide if a thing doesn't matter, then like, don't spend a lot of time and energy trying to fix it. Um, and so part of why this book instead of her kind of speaks to me is she talks a lot in the introduction about like, in the world, you get the, the feeling of the things you should do is very loud. Like there's so much input that you can take from a social media and a television and your friends and your family and all of these things telling you what to do that it can become very overwhelming trying to figure out what it is you actually want to do. And I'm a person who really struggles with the idea of should, like the should is really loud in my head all the time. And so I have... I have to work really hard to like think past that. Um, And so that kind of framing of the book really resonates with me. And so she talks about how like with all of these different shoulds and things that you want to do and all these things to pay attention to, it can be like overwhelming trying to sort through and figure out what does it actually mean for me to have a life that I am happy with and I'm proud of. And so she sets out these lazy genius principles. Some of them are sort of big, like name what matters. Um, I think... She actually calls that one Ask the Magic Question. Um, But there's other stuff like decide once. So she has a bunch of tips for like just make one decision and stick with that decision until it doesn't work for you anymore. Building routines, setting rules for yourself, going in the right order. So figuring out what is the order of things that needs to happen, starting small. So she has these 13 principles. And so the book and the podcast and all the other things she does kind of work through those principles, explain how they are, and then show how... And gives lots of different examples about ways that you can use those principles to help your life run a little bit smoother and help you care for yourself better. I have just found, like, particularly that, like, name what matters to be really powerful, and it's been useful for me lately. So I think that this book, if you're a person who's kind of struggling with some of those, what should I do, or how do I, like, decide even 
what are the things that I should care about or what should I prioritize? I think this book can kind of help with that. So the book is called The Lazy Genius Way, Embrace What Matters, Ditch What Doesn't, and Get Stuff Done by Kendra Adachi. Oh, that's so good. Like of self-help picks, I feel like that in particular just seems very, let's say, of now. <laughs> it's very gentle and it's yeah. not prescriptive. Like the the principles are like, think about this and then use that in your own life and make a decision about what you want to do. So it's not like you should always put your laundry away as soon as you do it, but more like, does does having a tidy bedroom matter to you? If it does, then you should put your laundry away. If it doesn't, then who cares? And so it lets you kind of figure out for yourself what you want and what you care about. Yeah, that's great. It's not like a, you know, seven habits of highly yeah. effective mm-hmm. people. It's like, yeah, that's yeah. that's really great. I've heard some other thing recently about, you know, figuring out like what your top not priorities, but yeah, I guess like things that are meaningful to you, like mm-hmm. what they are. Um, and this sort of seems in the same vein. Yeah. And yeah, I mean, I'm I'm really bad at picking up this kind of book, but this just sound very helpful. So, hmm. And my bedroom is very <laughs> messy and I would like it to be cleaner. So, okay. Uh, pivoting yet again. Um, my last pick as foreshadowed in the intro is Team of Rivals by Doris Kearns Goodwin. I will tell you why. It is because when not only did it launch me onto this Lincoln investigation that I am currently on, a journey, if you will, down the river of inquiry, but I feel like this type of book, particularly on audiobook, because if you are carrying around a big, heavy book, it can be dispiriting. Mm -hmm. (laughs) But on audiobook, you can do another like relaxing thing. I told Kim before we started, my favorite thing right now is to listen to one of my Lincoln audiobooks and just do my coloring app. That's all I want to do with my free time. Like sit down, color, and listen to facts about Lincoln. And I feel like when you're going through a pretty hefty audiobook, it's satisfying because you are immersed in the story for a really long time and you feel like it is kind of part of your daily (laughs) just like way of doing things and then you're also feeling really accomplished when you finish so I just loved it I think that's kind of what's like gotten me to like keep going with this is I'm like yeah audiobooks about Lincoln I'll feel the way that I felt with team of rivals so (laughs) whatever that look like looks like for your particular genre for me it's definitely history but I think this could also work with like long like fiction you know like any kind of sort of lengthy experience that can be had that you can just do a little bit of or enough that you're feeling like, wow, I'm really making progress in this and then I feel accomplished. If that does it for you, then Mm -hmm. I really recommend it. And gosh, yeah. Also, Team of Rivals, there are so few books about Lincoln by women. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Like, let me tell you. (laughs) So starting off with that one was kind of like peaking too early perhaps, but (laughs) it was just, it's so good. Anyway, loved it. Do you want to talk about what we're reading now? Yes, we can talk about what we're reading now. So I am in the middle of another like scammy fiction book. <laughs> uh, it's called The Christie Affair by Nina de Gremont. Uh, it is a fictionalized account of Agatha Christie's missing 10 days in the 1920s, I think. Agatha Christie disappeared for 10 days. Uh, and then when she was eventually found, she was like, I have no memory of what happened to me. I have no idea. And so this book is sort of a fictionalized imagining of like what is going on there. And there's a 
all sorts of like good and interesting stuff. So I guess <laughs> I didn't realize it till I like saw it on the list again that I was like, oh, I guess this is also about like a kind of a scam too. So uh, that's 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 where my brain is right now. <laughs> that's um, I just love that you're in the midst of all this scam <laughs> stuff. Uh, I am reading The Dark Forest by Xin Liu, which is also fiction, and it is the second book in the uh, Three Body Problem series, which is also being made into a Netflix series, oh. which is fascinating. But it's the, I loved the Three Body Problem. The main things I'm reading right now are Chinese or Chinese-American sci-fi fantasy and Lincoln books. I don't know why. <laughs> it is. That is a very particular set of interests right now. Yeah. I know. But yeah, The Dark Forest is our, oh, just the ideas in it. So good. Xin <laughs> Liu is just like, just like a genius. Anyway. <laughs> All right. In conclusion, you can find us on social media. I am at It's Alice Time and Kim is at Kim the Dork. Our amazing audio editing for this episode was done by Jen Zink. Thank you, Jen. Uh, if you have a few minutes, we would love it if you would rate and review us on Apple Podcasts and Spotify so people find us more easily. Then you can also follow us there so you get new episodes the very minute that they come out. With that, I am Kim Ukra. And I'm Alice Burton. And we thank you for listening to this week's episode of the For Real Podcast. Podcast.